0: God has already worked and drawing our hearts together, and we're just thrilled that he's here with us today. To uh, show you the dedication, his girlfriend uh, drove about four hours this morning to get here, to be here with him today for his birthday. So Kara's here. We're glad she's here with us today as well. But I've asked you to pray for us this morning as we leave, in worship, seeking the Lord. It's not about rhymes, not about math, it's not about you, it's all about him today. So let us join our hearts together in praise and
1: worship to the king. Right? Let's pray. Father, just thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to, to gather together as a body of believers to, to seek you and serve you and worship you, Lord. Um, just thank you so much um, for everyone here today. Um, just open our eyes and our ears to what you have to say to us this morning, Lord. Um, just thank you so much for all the things that you bless us with each and every day. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us first.
0: See here in every Amen. 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 Thank you, God. UBC. Welcome. If you're visiting with us, we always want you to know you have a home at Eastside. We're thrilled that you're here. You're more than just a visitor. You're our guest. And uh, we want you to understand that. If you are visiting, uh, the breeders have probably already provided you with a guest packet Uh, But if not if you've not seen one of them please see them as you go out and they'll make sure that you get that Uh, but we're very excited it was a a great day at Eastside. god is really stirring hearts it was exciting to see the youth coming out of that room smile and i'm talking about a room full of students and just excited about the lord excited about their their youth ministry here and what they're a part of we see some great, great days ahead, so we're excited. And if you've not looked at your communicator, your bulletin lately, that big number that was about four hundred thousand when I got here uh, in January 2012 is now about seventy-seven thousand dollars. And that's all we have. So I think if, uh, if you're around seventy-five, you know, if seventy-five people give a thousand bucks, it's gone. <laughs> Why y'all
2: laughing?
0: This is 75. People give without a thousand. 150 give 500 bucks. It's gone. The debt's gone. But the thing that the deacons come to me about Tuesday night and Pastor, we don't have to wait until we start looking and praying. Where does God want us to go? What does God want us to do? Not just pay it off and sit on our hands, but continue forward. So I'm excited about the future. It's very bright. Amen. What God is doing. And God is just stirring hearts. You know, we've heard so much lately of all the negativity, uh, Planned Parenthood, and the Supreme Court rulings, and all this. But it is stirring Christians' hearts to wake up, to stand up, and to speak up. Hey, that'd be a good message. But they are. And just this morning, uh, I've talked to several preachers and just... Pastors, different pastors. There's a friend that I don't talk to every week, even every month, texting me at 7 o'clock this morning, just encouraging me to preach the Word. And I talked to both my brothers this morning and my my, my best friend. And God is stirring the men of God. God is stirring the people of God. And so I'm excited about what God has in store for us uh, at Eastside. Let's just worship today. Remember tonight, Uh, Come back, and Brother Ryan's going to be speaking for us. And then, Wednesday night, right here, Uganda Thunder, back. Again, we get them twice this year. Don't forget, we'll start at 6.30. If you get here at 6.15, you'll be late. And you'll be at the very back or standing, because it's always standing room only. So you'll want to get here early. Uh, A lot of uh, our... Guest homes, we're excited. The kids will be coming in tomorrow night. We'll be in many of the schools. So be praying about that. Praying that God's heart. That it's not just entertainment. That's not Ted billion's heart. It's not those kids' heart. But it's, their heart is to show and tell the world that Jesus is a big God who loves us all. So let's pray we have a great week. God is honored through everything. Y'all ready? That's good.
1: Few weeks. I'm not going to read everything because we'll, I'm sure we'll do that in a minute. Um, but it says, To him who led his people through the wilderness, um, and to him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings, Sion, the king of the Amorites, and Og king of Bashan, and gave their land a heritage, a heritage uh, to Israel, his servant. So here you see God, who goes before, he fights the battles, he's prepared his people, the God of angel armies. Was on their side and they easily defeated all this and then it goes on to say, it is he who remembered us in our lowest state and rescued us from our foes. He who gives food to all flesh give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. Um, so then you, know, that you see it in, in the lives of Israel. You see the has fought their battles, which was against countries, was against kings. But we serve the same God who who helps us fight our battles. Um, you know, my battles are uh, you know dealing with finances, or uh, trying to be a good dad, trying to be a good um, uh, husband, trying to be um, trying to deal with the fact that my son is going to um, school now, and my little two-year-old girl is going to preschool. Um, you know, that's things that I face that are, are battles, that are struggles. But I know that God is on our side. Um, and God, is, God provides, and God takes care of that. But then, like I said, um, it is he who remembers us in our lowest state and rescued us from the foes. You know, in this term, in this uh, part of history, the foes are definitely the kings of the countries again. Um, but I can relate that to our life. And our foe is Satan and um, he wants to come and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus Christ uh, won the victory. Yeah. Um, he paid the price uh, for us to, to, have, to be able to serve a God or worship a God who is going to fight for us, stand for us, and walk with us Not through every trial and every temptation. The price has been paid on the cross. Um, a holy God uh, took my sin and put it to death, uh-huh. and then rose from the dead on the third day, beating death, and, and uh, uh-huh. giving us victory. Um, so you know, today, we just want to uh, remember that uh, as the best, as Brother Matt preaches, as uh, we continue to sing, uh, we serve a God who goes before us. Uh, we serve a God who loves us. We serve a God who paid the price um, for us. Uh, so, let's just worship together uh, and and praise Him uh, for the price and Just because I, I just want y'all to you know, I still know how this is, and I'm just going to leave from a hymn just, just for you guys. Yeah. Uh, here. and come into your presence and worship you. And Lord, I pray that today um, in everything that we do, uh, that we would point to you, that we would point to your holiness, that we would point to your graciousness, that we would point to your uh, mercy and your goodness. Um, Because you are, you are holy, you are good, you are gracious, uh, you are a merciful God. And as uh, we've studied the past few weeks, um, without a doubt, your mercy does endure forever. Your love does endure forever. Help us to rest in that fact. Help us to worship because of that fact. Uh, and uh, help us to just share others because it's worth. You are worth sharing. Uh, you are worth um, people knowing about. whoever pray uh, as we take up this time now. Have this time now to take up our tithes and offerings. Uh, that it would be done as a an act of worship. Never let us live uh, something to check off a box, nor because it looks good on our taxes. Please help us to do it because you are worthy. You're the provider. Um, you give everything from your hand. Um, help us just to be willing to, to give back uh, to you. Um, and as a church, help us just to be wise um, with what we do with that money. Help us to use it uh, for your kingdom and um, for your glory i pray for uh, Brother Matt as he brings the message today. Lord, please help him to um, speak your word uh, with clarity. I'm hoping to speak it with uh, boldness. And us as a congregation, help us just to uh, be focused uh, and open to, to hearing your word. Um, so many things can distract, life in general uh, can distract uh, from you. But help us to push, put all that aside today. Um, seek to, to hear from you and worship you. We love you. I praise your most holy name.
3: Amen. I'm not really sure why you came this morning, but I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't there. I was get getting ready. Um, but if you came uh, thinking, well, I got a Gotta get cleaned up. We'll go there and work those church folks. I gotta get cleaned up. I got some good news. For you. And if you if you came thinking, man, things are just bad right now. I don't I don't want to go up there. But you talked yourself into it and you came anyway, and you're not really sure why you're here. I got some good news for you. And if you're here for the thousandth time. And you keep thinking, you know, I, I think if I keep going, surely something good will happen. Surely something worthwhile will come out of all of this. Or maybe I'm just going to go up there and be reminded what a place I am, what a failure I am. I got some good news. You see, if you came today thinking that you had to do something, be where you ought to be. The good news is you can't. But he already has. He's providing for you to be right where you need to be. And if he has, then why do we kick against the goes the scripture says? Why are you working so hard? For something you're never going to earn. The opportunity for us to have redemption is a miracle. This is true. Well, I'm a mess. I'm a real mess, a black-hearted mess. Before Jesus got it all, but mercy is a miracle, and it changes everything. So this is a deity it doesn't last very long. It's an old song. I thought of it this week after the preacher preached last week on mercy. It's a very old; you probably haven't heard of it. A B-side record. of your
4: mind if the truth was known and the light was shown in every hidden part of my soul most would turn away shake their heads The truth was long we would see that the only good in me is Jesus. Oh, it's Jesus. Could I show my face, if it were for the praise of the one who's known the truth all along? If the walls could speak, they'd say that my only hope is the grace. Jesus, my hope is the grace.
0: Of great grace, that miracle. You now, think about it. it. Most theologians believe that Hezekiah wrote this. In 26 verses, he says, For his mercy, his grace, his love endures forever. Bill just sang about that miracle of mercy. I believe Hezekiah got it. When Just within moments of being told by the man of God, set your house in order, for today you shall die and surely not live. God in grace and mercy gave him a reprieve. He literally saw God's miracle. I want to ask you today, be honest, y'all know I love to ask questions. I love to hear your answers because... It kind of sticks with all of us. And that song reminded me that it's not just me asking the question to you, but of myself. How many here need God's love? Yeah. Would you agree, everybody? You may not have raised your hand, but you know you need God's love. Without God's love, we're a empty shell. I didn't say, how many of you want God's love? Sometimes we don't want God's love. We we want to do things our way. We believe we've got it figured out. And you know, Phyllis and Matt both said, if you're here for any other reason, you know, if it's just habitual, if it's just something that you've always done, then you're missing the point. You're completely missing the whole idea that God's love is needed. That we need to be showered under the fountain of grace to be able to live and to be and to not just exist god didn't create us just to exist god created us to love him and the only way we can love him is to accept the fact that he must first love us and then god does love us for he so loves us that he gave us The only begotten son. Now understand, everybody agreed today that we all need God's love, right? Now I understand I've said under preaching as well. And some messages really speak explicitly to me at certain times, and other times it was great, it was God's word, but you know, it's something that I may not have needed the focus of. On that day I can assure you by the answer you gave me that we all need God's love tells me every single person today this message applies to every single one because we are talking about where God's love lives where mercy lives and so I want you to stand with me as we look at Psalm 136 for those who may be visiting we have been doing this in response uh, as we read. And so we'll begin in verse 16. To him which led his people through the wilderness. For his mercy
2: forever.
0: Don't just quote it. <laughs> Be thankful as you answer.
2: To him which smote
0: great kings. For his mercy and, forever. and slew famous kings. Sion, king of the Amorites. And Og, the king of Bashan, and gave their land for a heritage, even a heritage unto Israel his servant. Listen to this one who remembers us in our lowest state and hath redeemed us from our enemies. For his mercy and the forever. Who gives food to all flesh. For his mercy and the
2: forever.
0: Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven. For
2: his mercy and
0: the forever. Amen. You may be seated. Today, as we continue to look and finish up in Psalm 136, the power of this song is seen. We talked about in the first message, in the first context of this song, that God's mercy lives lives in our thankfulness. He starts, and you'll see today, finishes. Everything in our life should be booked in and filled in the middle with thanks unto God. So mercy lives in the thankfulness of realizing who He is. Then we talked about how mercy lives in our faith and believing. Not that God only exists if we acknowledge Him, but God's fulfillment of grace and mercy when we accept and live according to His will. That's where mercy lives. And then last week, that great truth of Scripture, that scarlet thread of redemption that flows all through Scripture. We talked about in depth. Wednesday night, the proto-evangelum uh, evangelism, that first prophecy of the Messiah in Genesis 3.15 of God's grace providing a Savior even from creation. And before we know in Scripture and the prophecies before the foundation of the world. But we see it all through Scripture. We see it in Genesis. We see it in the book of Exodus. That's what we're referring to in this takes today. It's a starlet thread of deliverance. God's mercy, God's love, God's graciousness, all the wonderful attributes of a holy God exist in His deliverance. No one deserves Jesus. No one. The greatest of great is nothing but filthy rags in the eyes of a holy God. Make no mistake about it. You may have the greatest godly parents. The most spiritual loving grandparents. But I've got news for you. You don't deserve Jesus any more than they did. We do not deserve nor are we owed the grace of God. But it's by His mercy. And through His love. We even exist. And so today, we see not only last week, God's mercy lives in deliverance, but mercy lives in direction. We all need direction in our lives. And here God tells us through the psalmist that He'll direct our paths. I mean, all through the psalms, He tells us that His word shall be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my paths. He will direct us, guard us in all things. And so I want us to look where mercy lives in His direction today. We all need the love of God. We need His direction today. Look with me in verse 16. At the direction and how He led. All from Scripture. I mean this great story of the Passover. You know last week we talked about that. In this context, and how God delivered them out of Egypt. Now He's saying what happened then. God does not save you and just turn loose of it. All right, it's not just about not going to hell. It's about living a sanctified, holy life. For He said, "Be ye holy, even as I am holy." And God did not save you just to live any kind of way you want. Paul said, "Shall we continue?" that grace may abound, God forbid. But we should be getting up every morning. Number one, thanking God that we're alive. Number two, thanking God that He loves us. And number three, saying, God, what would You have me do? When Samuel lay in the bed and he heard a voice, Samuel, Samuel, he he got up repetitively. He ran to his master here on earth and he said, yes, Yes, what, what do you need from me? He said, Samuel, go back to bed. You ate too much pizza. I haven't called you. He'd go back to bed. He'd hear it again. Samuel, Samuel, he'd go back in. And finally Eli got awake enough himself. He said, I'll tell you what, Samuel. I'm not calling you, but somebody is. You go lay back down. And the next time you hear it, you respond. Speak, Lord. And so he heard it again. He went back and he lay down. Can you imagine the anticipation, the excitement of knowing and hoping he would hear the voice again. And when he heard it, the voice of God rang true. And he said, Samuel, call him by name. And he said, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth.'" Isaiah was charged in that great vision. Who will go for me? And Isaiah said, Send me. I'll go. Church, God is calling us under His direction. That God does not just bring us out of bondage, but He will carry us through the wilderness. He led them. Look how He led them. He led them through the wilderness. Philip said a while ago, today you may be in a dark place. There may be questions, there may be issues, there may be Troubles physically, financially, emotionally, mentally, all kinds of issues. Something that you're facing, nobody else in this world knows about. But I've got wonderful, glorious news. God knows. God knows your wilderness. Do you think God had to come up with a plan as they went along for 40 years? If we look, the original plan God had set for them was certain days. And that they would go on in. But because of their disobedience, they ended up spending 40 years. But God had a plan for that too. And God led them through the wilderness. Have you ever looked at a map for 40 years where they went? In a lot of ways, they chased their tail. They just went around in the circus. But God had a plan in that. Some days, we just feel like we're chasing our tail, don't we? Have, have you ever asked somebody how you doing today, and they said, "Well, uh, same old story, just a different day." Well, the old timers would say, "Same suit, just warmed over." And we feel like we're running the rat race, and the rats are winning. We feel like a gerbil on the little wheel; we're just, we're just spinning and smoke's just flying out of our ears. But we just keep doing the same old thing, day in, day out. I'm telling you. God has a plan for your life. And though you may seem like. You're chasing your tail in the wilderness. God is leading if you're listening. That's the problem. We don't listen. Jesus even spoke. When he spoke to those seven churches. In the beginning of the book of Revelation. He said let those who have ears to hear. Are we listening with ears. That are willing to hear. What God has got to say. Or when we say. God I am willing to do whatever. God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, except sing. God, I'm willing to do whatever you want, except work with kids. There are no exclusions to the will of God. You don't get to issue caveats. You do not get to put an, an exemption. God's called you to the place you are, and if you're not in the center of God's will, you need to run. From whatever you're in and run to the center of peace and joy which is God and no matter where you work no matter where you go to school if you're a Christian and you may feel like you're the only saved person within a hundred miles guess what Paul felt that way too and you know what he did he didn't run from it he ran to it and he told them about Jesus and he helped evangelize Angel minor. Churches began to pop up. You know what? He led them to the Lord and they led them to the Lord. And he taught them and they taught them. And then they went and led others to Christ and taught them and became the fulfillment of the Great Commission. The disciple. It's not just telling someone it's modeling. model. It's showing them what God can do in the midst of the wilderness. It's you. Giving your testimony. Let me tell you where I've been and what God has done for me. Amen. That's what grief chair does. That's what Sunday school can do. That's what youth ministry can do. That's what everything in the life of Christ uh, or a believer does, is it says, Let me tell you, I couldn't do it on my own. I didn't think I could get up the next day. God got me up because we can endure it for a night. But joy comes in the morning. You are in your wilderness. Listen, it's not just that we're waiting until God brings us out, but experiencing God in it. He led them. Did it say out of the wilderness? What does your Bible say? Where did He lead them? He led them through it. Through the wilderness. Church. God is written, and He does it demonstrably. Think about it. How did He leave them when, when they were going to the wilderness? Do you remember? Did He come in physical form? Personally? In that way? How did He leave them? A cloud in the day, and, by fi- and a cloud of fire by night. How cool would that Huh? You understand, it's not just fire, he was giving them light. Light, his word shall be on. left to my feet, and a life. He gave them a to the light into the path. Everywhere they went and high, this great big funnel of fire, this great vortex of an inferno that did not damage them or threaten them, led them. That's, that's pretty demonstrated, wouldn't you say? People ask me all the time, how do you know God's speaking to you? And I've told you this, but I want to remind you, this is how you'll know God's speaking to you. If you're a born-again believer, in the blood of Jesus Christ, this is how you know it's God. You will. So that's not an answer. Yes, it is. Because the Bible says that He knows His sheep, and the sheep know His voice. And he tells us he's not the object of confusion. You know, it's not like, and, and y'all kids will never get this, but in old cartoons and the old stuff, they used to show how they would lead an animal and they would have a stick with a carrot dangling in front of its face to try to get it to move, to try to get to that, that fruit, that carrot they wanted to get to. God doesn't dangle something in front of us. God is not doing the shell game and saying, Oh, I got you to look. You know, like we walk up beside somebody and we go to the left and we tap them on the right shoulder and they turn around. And oh, that's hilarious. I do it all the time. Just because I like to do it. God's never going to do you like that. God doesn't like I mean, He just does He leads us with clarity. He leads us in such a demonstrably way that there is no question that's God. Did y'all agree with that? All right, senior adults, tell these younger people that are still learning, coming through. You've already walked that road for 50 years. You've seen what God has done. You've seen how God's delivered you out of days of uh, recession and depression, both financially and emotionally. You've seen Him go through the hard days of raising children and grandchildren. You've seen emotional days of losing loved ones. Listen. Can you testify today that God will make Himself clear and He's always faithful? Yeah. Amen, senior adults? Amen. Amen. You heard that, young people. Don't panic. God's in control. God is leading us with clarity. He's leading us in dependency that we depend on Him. He tells them that He led them through the wilderness. What did He do? Moses said, God... When you doing this? I me. they are the biggest bunch of whiners. God, do you not know, hear what they're doing? I mean, good grief! They cry about everything. I come from the backside wilderness. I didn't sign up for all this. I mean, you're gonna to have to do something. Why they want to go back to Egypt? and blaming me, and I'm taking all the brunt of this. Come on, God, what are you gonna do? God said, "I tell you what. See that rock right over there? See that rod that I gave you?" You've seen it turn into a snake. You've seen water's part. You've seen all kind of great things when I told you to lift it. He said, I'm going to give them what they need. Take that. Take that staff. Take that rod and go get that rod. Just go do it. You trust me, Moses? Yeah, I trust you. Remember the God that spoke to you out of the burning bush? Yes, God, I remember you. Do you remember when I sent the blades in it? Yes, God, I remember you. Then do you trust me? Yes, I trust me. Then go smoke the rock. He smoked the rock and out came water. And they began to complain. And God says, just wait. Go to bed. Trust me. Sometimes your children get up at night and say, I'm scared. Look, I don't care how old you are. You may not be scared of the dark, technically. But there's times in our lives we get fearful. We get fearful about the future. We fear the unknown. What's behind that closed door of tomorrow and next week and when the kids grow up and when I get this age and when other things happen and and when I have to go to the doctor. All kinds of the fears of the unknown. You see, go to bed, Moses. Tell them all to go to bed and pray. Trust me. And when they got up the next morning, they looked out. And there was a glistening upon the land. And God said, go, pick it up. And it was manna. And every day, except for the Sabbath day, when they got up, the ground was covered with food. They didn't have to plow it. They didn't have to irrigate. They didn't have to spray. They didn't have to do anything. All they had to do was get it up get up. Go get it. Here's our problem. God has provided spiritual food for us through Sunday school, through small groups, through worship, through Wednesday night, through Bible studies, and we literally will not even get up and go get what God has offered us. Or we get out there and we say, I'm not being fed. I don't like Sunday school. I don't fit in. It's this and it's that. It's always about us. And guess what? That's what they did. Well, I'm just not being fed. I'm tired of the man. I want something. You see, we're a lot like them. We're just never satisfied. We always want something else. We're not satisfied with the greatest thing, which is God's blessings. And so they prayed and they pitched the fit, and God granted their request, but sent leanness. You see, they ate the quail that he sent. I imagine I'd been pretty happy that morning. Hey Amen, you know, Look out there and see all the birds. I'd be like, right, get to the holes You know, man, they birds everywhere over here. We didn't get out. We'd have had a shoot a barbecue. We'd have had a special church function if we saw that. Well, they did too, man. They just, it was unbelievable. They went out and gathered all the quail over there, and they're eating, and they're like, oh, They ate so much. The Bible says that it ran out their nose. In other words, they became violently, physically ill. Because, see, when I grew up, I grew up my dad on the grocery store, and the days that the Saturdays or whatever, Mom had to go do whatever she had to do. There's no place for us to go. I mean, my grandparents lived next door, and the grocery store was right behind us, so we just stayed at the grocery. Store. And we, you know, piddled, didn't have us do things, but one place that we'd go when we got tired for our nap, if we wanted to nap, is we went to the aisle that had the dog food on it. And that's where we slept. We crawled up on the dog food because you can kind of wiggle around a bit and you can make a pretty soft bed out of it. When you're six years old, it's real cold, i you. But what I remember about that dog food is every once in a while, especially if they were cutting hay or something somewhere, you know how what happens. The mice come to play. And they would be a mouse get inside the grocery store. And they would go straight for that dog food. They could smell that dog food. You know, you walk down the dog food aisle, you smell it. And the mouse would chew and gnaw his way through the paper bag of that dog food. And he would get in. And if you ever saw a little hole, you knew, that a mouse not only had been there, but he's still there every single time without fail, Because he would be in candy heaven. And what he would do is, once he got through he began to eat that dog food, he didn't know when to stop. Because it was an endless supply for such a little mouse. And every time we would take that dog food bag, take it outside, open it, and the mouse would be dead. He would literally eat himself to death. Does that sound like Christians in the world today? That we have everything at the end of our fingers. Right now, if you go home and plop down in your chair, and you can work remote, but you can turn the lights on. First of all, you're going to walk out here, hit your clicker, and crank your vehicle so it'll be cooling off when you can get in Huh? And if you're going to get in it, and if you wanted to, you could look on your smartphone and turn your lights on and turn your TV on. And, you know, you do it all from your smartphone. And then you go and you stick your glass up to the refrigerator and out comes the water, like striking the rock. All you got to do is stick your glass in the side of the refrigerator. There's people in this room that didn't even have uh, any kind of refrigerator. You no. Know? And we can hit our remote, and we can look over three thousand channels of something not to watch. We can go, and the more channels we get, the more we say, hey, "Nothing to watch." No. You know, and and don't even make a good sense because TV is about, you know, the eyes not watching. I bet there's two hundred music channels. You know, why well, got radio? We don't even need radios anymore. Everything's plug and play, everything's back, everything's in, and we are killing ourselves in the lap of luxury and missing the true blessings of God. He led them in dependency, gave them water, gave them land. Here's one of the coolest aspects and little tidbits about the 40 years of wilderness. Let's say that we all left Egypt, we were all the Hebrew children, we all left Egypt, and all the, all the men in here, all right, everybody in here, all the men, just the men. minute, what do you think about it? Right? I'm just going to pick a couple. Um, Dean Mike Wise are the only two men in this room that left Egypt that made it over there in 40 years. That was over the age of 21. All these guys made it. All the guys that were under the age of 21. Is that not what the scripture said? You didn't make it. I didn't make it. You didn't make it. You didn't make it. Because of the, their leadership and the lack thereof, they rebelled against God. They chose to try to worship a false idol. And so those younger guys are the only ones, except for Caleb and Joshua. But here's the cool statistic about that. When they walked across the Jordan with Joshua, you know, God said, Joshua, Moses is dead. You're the man. Take him across. They walked across. You know what they were wearing? They did not stop at Target. They did not go to Old Navy. They did not go to Hollister and Air Apostle and got fixed up at the surf shop. Those men, Caleb, Joshua, and those men under the age of 21 that now are 40 years older had exactly the same thing on that they came out of Egypt with. What about us? God preserved it. God preserved everything. You probably, you probably thought, you know, they probably look like they just come out of a prisoner war camp. You know, I don't believe it. I believe God refreshes and God renews that God can give life in so many ways. Look, God is going to take care of you. He led them. He'll lead us. And that's what I want to look at. Verse 17. To him which smote great kings slew famous kings, and he gave the king's name. And gave their reign. You see. Not only did He lead. Not only has He led. He is leading today. How does He lead us? today? What did Jesus tell us we should pray? Give us this day. Our what? Daily. Not a monthly bread. And you know. He is. That is a. Not only literal saying of real bread referring back to this egyptian wilderness experience but it's also the spiritual manifestation of every day depending on what we need today there's not a bank of faith he said that we are to walk by faith not by sight we can make all the plans about our future but i can assure you that most people on the day they die did not intend on that day. today. They didn't go Indian on us and say, this is a good day to die. Most people that tied their shoes that morning did not figure that the undertaker would un- would untie them that afternoon. That's the way it works. He said that he will come even as a thief in the night. We need to understand that in God's providence, that means a, a God-providing, God's providence, God will provide. Y'all look at me like you may not believe that. Will God provide? You? Yes. Everything. God will provide for food. Now listen to me, real care, real quick. That tithe plate come by and you were unfaithful really and you stole it from God. Because so God's word in Malachi says, if you're not giving of your tithes and offerings, he says you're a thief. That's right. He said, how have I robbed you, God? And God said, you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. That's, that's, you know, I hate a thief. I'm a thief. If you're not tithing, you are a thief. Right. You're robbing from a holy, righteous God. So don't shake your fist at God and say, God, why did you bring me? I can't pay my bill. Well, you're trying to pay for a four-wheeler and a house bigger than you wanted and you're upside down in everything and it's all because you wanted to get all the luxuries of the world and keep up and compete with everybody else and you have sold your soul for the material things of this world rather than trusting God. When you tie. And give above that tithe an offering of sacrifice under God's love and mercy. Because it's God's anyway. Listen, God wants it, He'll get it. When you get my age, you watch stuff like the weather chariot. Yeah. Alright? And one of my favorite things is to watch is Tornado Alley. I like it. Come on. And it's the real story of the tornado that hit Joplin, Missouri. And they've got the real footage of inside schools in Tuscaloosa and Indiana, other places, and it's, it's unfathomable of, of, of what can happen. And one that I'm reminded of is there was a, a couple that were in their 60s, and they were filming this tornado believe it was in Indiana. And they're filming it off, and they're just talking just like we were standing outside after church. They are just, look at that thing. What that thing's big. And it kind of looks, and she's like, and it's not like, oh, baby, oh, baby, look at that. No, they're just like, you know, uh, we need to go pick up a loaf of bread. And that tornado was pretty big over there, and it looks kind of like a tent this way. And it did. And it comes straight out. And finally one of them said, you know, we, we might to, and I'm literally, this is the way they talk. Y'all probably, some of you watched that. Uh, one of them says, you know, baby, we, we may ought to go do something. You know, we may not to stand here at the window. And I'm making light of it say, because this is what happened. They did pretty much at the last minute. The over tried to take shelter. That tornado come and took everything that they worked for their entire life. They were in their six, lived in the same home. Since they had been married, they had been married for 40 something years. When they dug her out, she said, where's Wayne? I believe that was his name. They began digging and they finally saw his feet. When they dug him out, there was no bread, no parking. That day, that tornado took the house, it took the vehicles. He took their marriage and everything changed in about three minutes. From the time they saw that tornado until he had left and went into eternity, the whole world changed. Don't sit here today thinking your life cannot be turned upside down in one phone It cannot change in no a matter of one split. But we need to understand that He is leading us daily. And we've got to trust Him not only uh, in His providence but in His purpose. God has a purpose for us. He's got a purpose for you. Red, yellow, black, and white, old, young, fat, skinny. It does not matter. God has a plan for you. they you snicker, but my whole point is, and it is God's the truth is, God has a plan for you. And when you walk in the fulfillment, it is mind-boggling. What God can do is, He, look, you'll get up to a new world every day. You will walk in the fascination of the holy, omnipotent, sovereign God of the, of the creation. When well, you just walk in Him. Trust Him. Look, He has powers. Overall, what did he tell us in putting on the whole armor of God if he's in Ephesians 6? For we fight not against flesh and blood. Some of you have grudges against brothers and sisters over grandma's channel. Get over it. Deal with it. Because you're living in Israel. You're, look, they don't care that you're mad at me. You're killing yourself. You're rotting yourself out to the core in your grief. Get over it. Because you ain't gonna have no China heaven, You know, it ain't gonna matter about Grandma's ring. It ain't gonna matter about Grandpa's pocket knife. What's gonna matter is that, at, at, at the very best, He said in Scripture that we live peaceably with all men. Now some folks are afraid to refuse to to walk peaceably, but look, level from a distance. But don't you lay your head down tonight with a grudge or envy and strife in your heart, because. It will be a cancer that will rot you the core, And one day you'll wake up and you'll look in the mirror and think, when did I get so mean? And so hey, live according to His purpose and don't worry about the rest because His power is, is over all the powers of this world. It's not that we personalize sin. We should not be mad at the mother, the young, unwed, mothers that are going in to Planned Parenthood, wondering what to do in their lives. It is Satan's plot, it is Satan's ploy, it is Satan's plan. What we need to do is realize God's love is bigger than that, and we need to lead these young girls to Jesus. We need to drop lies. Look, I'm all for turning the sand into a glass factory when they're cutting Christians' heads off. You put enough heat on the sand, you make glass. I'm all about that. But the way we're going to change the world is not just dropping bombs. We need to be dropping light. I'm not the first one to come up with that. i heard Andrew Rogers say that many years ago. And though dead, he still speaks. And we need to be telling the world, Jesus save, Jesus save. We fight against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. I got news for you. He is leading us because his power is greater. Because he is greater than popularity and prestige. You say, I, I, I feel bullied. Listen. Listen to me, kids. Listen to me, young. Look, and it may not go away again. There's bullies sometimes in churches. There's bullies on the job. There's bullies all over the place. Listen to me. Y'all listen. You miss everything else. Listen to this. With God on your side, nobody, nobody can take advantage of you unless you let I'm I'm the big brother. Well, I'm the oldest brother. Middle brothers come bigger. Now, I grew up big brothers. two and a half years older than the middle one, seven years older than the And Chris, seven years younger, we'd go to a football game. And I'd be 17, 18 years old. He's 10 or 11. He's picking fights with kids that are 15, 16, 17 years old. And I'm, I'm not kidding you now. That sweet, adorable, quiet, humble brother Chris that y'all men have heard come speak, and speak. He's been down here. Look, he was the biggest troublemaker on God's earth. You tell him I said it. And he'd pick a fight, and then run over and stand by me. He <laughs> would. And I'd say, "Or you go handle my life." Look, God's your heavenly Father, and Jesus Christ, who conquered death hell, and the grave, your big brother. What do you got to worry about? Come on, now. What do you got to worry about? With Jesus on our side, we're more to conquer. And if God be for us, yes. who can be against? I don't know about Jesus. But I have an inferior, inferiority complex And I don't know how I'm gonna have a writer concept, he's good looking, young, smart, plays the piano, and all guitar and sings and I can hit the add 30 seconds on the microphone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I can't
0: Bless his heart, he's just old. But the thing that the older I get, is, I don't have to please anybody. I've just got to trust you. Come on, this is biblical. God loves us. God directs us. daily. And our walk with him and is greater than any of the powers and principalities of this world. There's nothing about the election that's coming up next year that will surprise God. Nothing. Because God's eternal. he already knows. Let us be found faithful in following his leading. But then he will lead. God didn't bring us this far just to abandon Him. You know what blows my mind? Somebody's been married 29 years, 36 years, 42 years, and this and i I'm like, really? Do you really think you're going to find somebody else? You're old. You know? Even if they act like they don't love you, they probably still love you more than anybody else. love you. you know, good grief. Sock your ways. You're not going to change how you put the toilet paper on the road. You, you want it your way. I and mean, you, you're 60-some years old. Look, deal with your problems and stay with them and love one another because they nobody going love you. Like, you know, I ain't just close my mind. you know what? In Christianity, we walk with the Lord. We trust Him and we're faithful. We're fired up as you. And we graduate high school. We quit God. We quit God because we're smarter. We're college students. We don't have to go to church all the time because we're adults. Well, then act like an adult. Assume the responsibility and follow God in faithfulness. Because, well, we'll go to to church when the kids get a little older. They're fussing. But that's an excuse you no, that's an excuse. That is crazy. This church has never ever, ever been disrespectful or rude to a parent. whose child cried or did something else like that? We love children. So that is a bomb of an excuse. You say, well, you know, I'm trying to get a headline. I'm trying to get these bills paid off. Look, you work seven days a week. God will exact a toll on you for not honoring Him on the day of worship. You say, well, I've gotten older now. We've already raised our kids. And we're just going to let somebody else teach for a while. When did God ever give an exclusion in his word that you can retire while you're still living? i love to see somebody who's still faithfully teaching their Sunday school class after 38 years. Who still is following God's call. Church. He will lead us because one. He said in verse 21, he gave their land for a heritage, even a heritage unto Israel, his servant. Heritage means an inheritance, an estate. It means to occupy or possess. The problem is God's given it to us and it's just a rat box. We're just standing there looking at it and saying, I wonder what's in that box. That's a pretty box. I bet that's probably something good, but I'm not real sure. And I'm afraid if I open it, he may want me to do something I'm uncomfortable with. So I'm not going to open it. I'm just going to look at it. And we've got the open, we've got the unopened, open wrapped gift of God for our life. Right there in front of us. We know God's given it to us, but we won't open it. Imagine if every
3: single member
0: of Eastside Baptist Church got up tomorrow morning and said, I am going to walk in the fulfillment of God's gifts in my life. We will turn this community upside down. If 11 disciples can do it, imagine what all these can do. They turn the world upside down. I'm just talking about Claxton. I'm just talking about Evans County, Bullitt County, you know, uh, Tattle County, Grime County. God's bigger. God's greater and we're a heritage that he has occupied. Look, he said in verse 23, who remembered us in our lowest state? I don't care where you're at, God remembers you. Amen. There's not a place that God doesn't go with his children in his direction. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, even until the end of the age. He redeems us. He said, in verse 24. That means make something worthwhile out of that which is worthless. He has redeemed us from our enemies. He paid the price for us to be fully released. Don't go back into all Don't put yourself back under those things. Follow His direction and allow God to redeem you. Verse 25, He says, Who gives food to all flesh? He restores us. The great... Good shepherd Psalm twenty-three. He said, He restores my soul. My cup runs over. That's a good feeling when the cup runs over, isn't it? Huh? That's a good feeling. My my grandmother, brain always would fill her tea you know, her coffee cup, which is like a teacup. You know how the older ladies they they drink the coffee nice old teacup with was soft. And she would fill it up until it literally run over. And then she would just kind of tip it a little bit, so it kind of cool, and she would drink her coffee by sipping it. Any of your grandmothers, you ever seen that happen? She said, thank you, Dad. Mama Brady drank her coffee sipping it up, but she would fill it until it run over. This it stuck with me, it stuck with me. I don't do that, I just get a beer mug. You know? But God literally is pouring into your life to where His blessings, this world will run over. I'm going to tell you, we're, we're, our cup runs over. We're just not looking. We look at it as a mess. All it run over. We didn't click over. It's a blessing when God runs our cup over. We need to understand that He restores us to the point of our cup. He can bring us from the brink of death. He can bring us through uh, cancer. He can bring us through divorce. He can bring us through anything. And He can restore us and use us and make us so valuable. Look, you're not damaged goods. God can do anything with nothing. And we trust Him. If he can take a Christian killer by the name of Saul and make him the greatest missionary of all time, if he can take a man who had his girlfriend's husband killed to cover up the fact that uh, they had, had an affair and still call him a man after his own heart, the apple of his eye, named King David, he can do whatever he wants with you and me. Church, he revives. As I said earlier, verse 1 verse 26, basically the same. He said, I'll give thanks unto the God of heaven. This name God is the last time God's name is used in the Jewish Old Testament at the end of 2 Chronicles. It is the same name used in Revelation as it is transliterated from Hebrew to Greek. And it literally means the God of creation, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, He's the God of eternity, the God of heaven. And we are forgiving things. Why? Because His love, His grace, His mercy, and the forever. Tomorrow 3.17 p.m. His grace will be real. Thursday morning at 4.42 a.m. His grace will be real. In 2037 if Jesus has never come back His grace will be endured. And when Jesus does come back that grace that mercy will be endured for his love, his mercy, endures your spirit. You need to follow God's direction. Number one, let me ask you these questions. They come to the incidents. Listen to me very right carefully. You're a good person. Your church is great. I'm thrilled to death that you here. You even read your Bible pretty regularly. But you know today God is telling you in your heart. His Spirit is clearly convicting you that there's never been a point in your life where you have repented of your sins and pleaded for mercy and asked God to forgive you of your sins. Come into your life and save you. Day is the day you need to come and ask the Lord to forgive you. Save you. Repentance giving it all up to him and asking him to change your life. Mm-hmm. it. Today's the day. You come taking by the hand of others who counsel with you, whoever you are. Look, you, you may be 60 years old, and you've faked it before your hope. Look, I don't know, but you do and you need to be faithful. You've never followed in Believer's Baptism. You've been saved, but for whatever reason, you've never been obedient to his command to let the world know hourly what's happened inwardly. You need to come and say, Pastor, I'm saved. I know without a doubt I'm going to heaven. But I've never been obedient to Jesus in believer's baptism. You need to come take my hand. And tell me I want to be baptized. You're saved, baptized. You need to join the Eastside. This is where you belong. You need to come. Tell me. We want you to come be a part where God wants you to be need to come pray. You don't need to talk to me. I'm not your high priest. You just need to come pray. Whatever you do, don't leave still wandering around in the fire. And His mercy will give you direction to just simply Father. So we're going to stand, and at that moment, if you already know, right now you're just in turmoil, you're praying, oh, I hope everybody sitting, don't see me. Look, just be obedient. Just stand and come. It's easier and you, one motion, as you stand up, just make your way to the aisle, come trust me. You ready? You ready to be faithful? You ready to find God's blessings and mercies that will blow your mind? Then stand and come. Stand and come. Right
4: I you You have not to come
2: yet, come. wide and slow.